0: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 95, and we are recording on Tuesday, August 29th. I know days. I'm Amanda (laughs) Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we have a special guest, Kelly Jensen, who's our associate editor at Book Riot. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Welcome. This is my soothing soothing voice. I don't know why I do this voice every time we have a guest on, but I prefer like, hello. (laughs) I am not crazy. This is a great show that you have decided to be on. Um, So Kelly is a former YA librarian, and we brought her on to do this special um, episode with us. It's going to be all questions about young adult literature because... Drum roll. I'm not actually going to make a drum roll. Because, oh, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> we have a new YA podcast coming out in September. The first episode comes out September 20th. It's called Hey YA. And Kelly is going to be hosting it with our um, one of our Book contributors, um, Eric... Smith, who is a YA literary agent and YA author, so the two of them are going to be our hosts for the show. And Kelly, tell tell the good people a little bit about what they can expect, other than that it's by other than what I just said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it'll be a podcast all about YA literature. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Eric, I like to call him an expert enthusiast because yes, he knows his YA that's and he's so super good. enthusiastic about it. So um, true. So we're gonna do a lot of. YA talk, a lot of Muppet arms, a lot of having fun talking about the world of young adult literature.
0: Yeah, that's going to be great. So they'll have recommendations for you, and they'll talk about, like, you know, the adaptation news and all the stuff that's going on in the world of YA. And so, you know, to celebrate that, we're going to do an all-YA episode here. So um, that'll be fun. We'll have an episode zero, which is, uh, you know, like a five- or ten-minute preview of what you can expect from the show. That'll be coming out in the next few weeks. And then episode one, like I said, will be out September 20th. So keep your ears out for that. So what are y'all reading, Jen? Do you want to...
2: Yeah, it felt very appropriate that my library hold finally came in for It's Not Like It's a Secret by Misa Sugiyura. I hope I said that right. Uh, (laughs) It came in like yesterday. So I haven't gotten to start it yet, but it's a YA that I've been super excited about um, because it is about... Two girls falling in love who also both happen to be persons of color, which you don't see a super lot of. Well, we're starting to see more. But, yeah, I'm super excited to read this because I keep hearing amazing things. So I haven't technically started it yet, but I felt like it should count since my library hold finally came in. So that's Mm -hmm. It's Not Like It's a Secret by Misa Sugiura. Kelly, what about you?
1: I just started Genuine Fraud by E. Lockhart. It's her latest thriller. Um, I'm not too far into it, but it's about a girl who takes on some secret identities, and there's a pretty decent body count already. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have no idea where it's going. The structure is a little bit different than most other like thrillers. It's told backwards, so we'll see where it goes.
0: So I am frantically at reading, well, listening to. Uh, no is not enough. By Naomi Klein which is about resisting Trump um, and it's very interesting because Naomi Klein is a was a big Bernie supporter which I was not and remain not a Bernie supporter so it's but I'm not you know like unopen to that perspective so she's talking a lot the first part of the book is like how Trump managed to get himself into the White House. And it's a lot about how it's more about his corporate branding than it is about his politics, which was a really interesting perspective that I had not considered. Um, So it's like a thesis of why nothing ever sticks to him, like why no scandal is big enough to bring down his administration, and what we can do in response to that to get him out and uh, to prevent a plutocrat psychopath from ever taking office again so it is really fascinating and it, I'm, I'm learning a lot about you know the evils of neoliberalism which i hadn't really thought about that much um and about where the anger of bernie people came from because um, mm, i like hillary i don't know um and so yeah go go forth read all, the <laughs> all right so just a little light reading you know <laughs> yeah. frantic survivalist yeah stuff <laughs> Uh, lesbian romance, and body counts. That's what right. That's how you. we
2: roll here, Get guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if you are new to this show, uh, like I said at the beginning, it's a show for personalized reading recommendations. Uh, if you need a reading recommendation for your book club or for a gift or for yourself um, or to survive the Trump administration, whatever, you know, whatever, uh, you can send those to us. You can drop them in the form at the bottom of the show notes on the site, or you can email them to us, getbookedatbookwrite.com. Um, if your request is time sensitive, please note it in the subject line, um, of your email or in the first line of your request, if you use the form so that we can get to it on time. Um, we might email you back instead of answering the the question on the show, depending on how time sensitive it is. And if we've answered the question already, then we, we might email you back. Um, so you don't have to wait forever. And that is how this jank works. So we will do our first question. Jen will do our first sponsor and then we will get rolling.
2: All right. Our first question is from Jenna, who says, I just finished Honesty by Seth King. It was intense, heavy, and unlike any other literary experience I've had to date. I was stuck inside the brain of Cole Furman, and I couldn't get out for 291 pages, no matter how uncomfortable, intense, exciting, lonely, or heartbreaking it was. Uh, it's a story of young love. It's also a story of fear and pain. Cole and Nick are falling in love, and they are both closeted LGBTQ 19-year-olds with everything to lose in the South. King acknowledged the need for more books featuring diverse couples that don't live deep in the romance genre. Until now, it's something I never thought twice about, so the quest is, I want to read more stories of diverse couples that live closer to the YA genre, and maybe even one with a happy ending, but not required. Uh, And we're also supposed to shout out to Fiona for introducing (laughs) Jenna to Book Riot. That's adorable! Thanks, Fiona. Um, Yeah, thanks, Fiona. Uh, Okay, so before we give you our picks, because we have them, Uh, I am going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is Mask of Shadows by Lindsay Miller. It is about Sal Leon, who is a thief and a good one. Uh, But Sal really would like to give up the life of crime as a highway robber and get... Upwardly mobile, uh, both because life is just better for the upper class and because nobles destroyed Sal's home. Um, so Sal steals a flyer for an addition to become a member of the Left Hand, which are the Queen's personal assassins, and infiltrate the court and get revenge. This is the first in a fantasy duology, and it is, as you can tell, you know, queens and courts and nobles and highway robbers, so it's got all of that good stuff going for it. And Sal is a a gender fluid main character which i don't know that i can come up with a like historically inspired ya that has a gender fluid main character other than this one that i have just read about to you so that's <laughs> super interesting um and uh, so, yes, if you are a fan of, for example, Lee Bardugo's books or Sarah J. Moss, Kristen Kishore's Graceling series, this is definitely one you want to pick up. It's been featured on a lot of YA must-read lists, including um, ones from Bustle and EW. Uh, yeah, so you are definitely going to be interested in that if you like court intrigue and robbery and LGBTQ representation in your YA fantasy. So that's Mask of Shadows by Lindsay Miller. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show.
0: Okay, so um, I focused or like kind of latched on to the closeted LGBTQ teenagers with everything to lose thing. Um, (laughs) Trope, that's not a trope, but you know, whatever. Theme and went with Tell Me Again How a Crush Should Feel by Sarah Farazan, which is about a closeted lesbian, not in the South, and she's not 19. She's still in high school. um, But she does kind of have everything to lose. She comes from, her name is Lila, the main character, and she comes from a Persian her family is Persian, and so she's got a lot of um, know, fear, maybe anxiety about coming out to her family because um, they're kind of traditional. She doesn't know if, she, if her parents will accept her. Um, there's a lot of pressure in her family to have a certain kind of lifestyle, to have a certain kind of career and family um, and all of that, and she's, she's not going to have those things because she does not want them. And so she's contemplating, you know, how to go about coming out to her family if she wants to come out to her family, what she wants to do about that. Maybe she'll wait till college, whatever. And then a new girl, a beautiful new girl, ha huh, appears at school. Her name is Saskia, and Lila really kind of falls for her. She's she's beautiful and mysterious and flirty and all of these things. And she thinks that Saskia is also into her, but the the signals are very confusing that she's getting from her. Um, they're very mixed. And so uh, you're following kind of the like high school drama of a girl falling for somebody who's sending her mixed signals, which is, you know, tail as old as high school. Um, So as this is all progressing, Lila is confiding in her closest friend, Lisa, and also getting more and more involved in drama. So if you are, you know, a drama kid, which I am from way back, then you will find so much to love about this book. Um, And then secrets start coming out. She starts to discover that, you know, everybody's kind of got their own complicated, complicated, family identity teenage stuff going on um and there is a romance other than the one that i'm telling you about with with scott saskia with the mixed signals but i don't want to spoil it um and the side characters are like universally hilarious and excellent uh and it's just it's a really great look into like her family is not particularly uh religious if i remember correctly um but she's more concerned about not betraying, but like disappointing her family by not following what she thinks is like the proper heritage path um, that that is like laid out or expected of her. So, uh, so she's struggling with that plus a lot of you know regular normal like high school angst. So that's "Tell Me Again How a Crush Should Feel" by Sarah Farzan.
2: I focused on the request for like diverse couples that are not necessarily straight up romances and I picked one of Amanda's favorites actually (laughs) for you. Uh, Not Your Sidekick. Yeah, you know, it's like I I pay attention when you talk sometimes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee, which is a superhero story, uh, kind of. Uh, The main character, Jessica Tran, who is in high school, um, lives in a place where superpowers are super common and also internships are complicated. Um, and Jessica does not have superpowers and so she's trying to like beef up her college applications and find an internship and she finds one except for that it is for the town's most notorious supervillain. Um, but she decides to take it anyway because she gets to work with her secret crush whose name is Abby. Um, and she believes that Abby might also have a secret Uh, Of her own, uh, like as in superhero secret identity. Um, And so she is like, you know, taking this, you know, internship with a villain a little bit to spite her parents who are, you know, fancy superheroes and a little bit of teenage rebellion there. But then, of course, things get complicated and she maybe uncovers a plot um, and, you know, hijinks ensue, et cetera, et cetera. So here you have a queer romance plus superpowers, which is just a great combination. So that's Not Your Sidekick which is the first in a series by C.B. Lee.
1: And my pick for this question I kind of latched on to the happy ending part. I guess that's a little bit of a spoiler but not too much. Um, I selected Everything Leads to You by Nina LaCour which is about Emmy who has just graduated high school and she's spending the summer living in a house out in Hollywood while she tries to make a break in set design which is something that she's passionate about. Um, she wants to break into that world, sort of make a career there. Um, as much as she's passionate and she's a film buff and she's, like, super driven and and sort of fulfilling this dream, her relationships are a mess. She's not great at having relationships. So, when she comes upon a mysterious letter that leads her to a girl named Ava, she suddenly is obsessed with this beautiful and mysterious and challenging girl named Ava. Um, I put in my notes for this book, that it made me sigh, happy sighs, and it's Aww. sweet, and it's romantic, and it's just, um, it's realistic YA at its best, and there's a, a part in there that fits in this question in terms of diversity, and, um, we learn about halfway through the book that Emmy is, I believe, a quarter Native American, and that plays a big role in some of her friendships, throughout the rest of the story so that's
0: everything leads to you by nina Lacour. i love that book (laughs) (laughs) co-signed question two it's from julie who says do you have recommendations for ya books that do not include romance my almost 13 year old daughter is a somewhat reluctant reader but likes books with strong female characters and prefers no icky love stuff (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's great uh she recently read the divergent series and enjoyed it but could it have done without the romantic relationships okay i'm just remembering that kelly wrote a whole post about this. oh was yeah it a 100 must it was a 100
1: must reads yeah i was gonna bring that right. up but
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it in the show notes um no romance YA. yeah kelly wrote a whole post about uh 100 YA books with little to no romance in them that you can I'll, I'll leave a link in the show notes and you can um go peruse that but my pick for you for th- this specific question is Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wine, which is a book about a amazing, strong, great female friendship during World War II. The two main characters are Maddie and Queenie, who are... Um, Queenie is a spy for the British intelligence, um, who... Mm, how do I do this without spoiling it? Okay. Queenie is a spy for the British intelligence, and Maddie is one of the first female pilots uh, during World War II uh, with the RAF, the um, British Air Force. And um, as the book opens, Queenie has been captured by the Nazis, I think in France. She's been captured by the Nazis uh, during one of her um, uh, underground... No. Undercover, there we go. Words are great. During one of her undercover uh, missions. And she is being interrogated and tortured. And there is, I mean, I know your daughter's 13, but I think that it's, it's not glossed over, but I think that it's not graphic enough to necessarily be too much for a 13-year-old. I think it'll be fine. But, you know, your mileage may vary. It's your kid. Um, So she's being interrogated by the SS, and she's writing out her confession. And that's what the book is, is her writing out her confession. And um, as the book continues, it goes back and forth between perspectives between her and her best friend Maddie, who is the pilot who dropped her behind enemy lines, and who is now in France trying to find her. Um, And so it goes back in time to, like, how they got involved with the military, how Maddie, who is an, an excellent pilot, um, overcame gender stereotypes to become a pilot during World War II, Um, and then is she going to rescue... Queenie? Is Queenie going to die in prison? Like, there's just a lot of questions that I'm not going to answer because it's spoilery. And the way that the book is structured, that kind of stuff is revealed very slowly. But um, there is no romance. This is about two very capable and competent uh, young women fighting injustice and evil out there in the world and being best friends while they do it. So I really love this book a lot. So that's Codename Verity by Elizabeth.
2: I picked Empress of a Thousand Skies by Rhoda Beleza, which just came out and is the first in the series. And so we don't know yet, because it's not out yet how much romance there will be in later books, but there's pretty minimal crushy feelings in this one. <laughs> Mostly because I mean, I think that like, like there is like a like a very small romance subplot, but they the characters just don't have time for romance because it is about a princess whose entire family has been murdered um when she was young and she's like the only surviving heir and she's about to take the throne and then the assassins come back for her so she's like on the run she doesn't have time for romance. <laughs> um and there's another character named ali Alyosha who is like a soldier and he is also on a reality TV show about soldiers. This was like a a twist that I was not sure I was going to like, but ended up working out really well. Um, And he is being framed for the princess, like as the princess's assassin. And so like, there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of action and there's a lot of like space battles and, you know, assassination attempts. And I mean, it's pretty violent, but you said she liked the Divergent books, so it doesn't sound like like that's a problem um and it is just it's so fun i enjoyed the heck out of it it's really fast-paced i really loved the characters and there's like the twist at the end i was like oh dang like i'm excited uh-huh. for what comes next so i think this will keep her busy and like with minimal love stuff um so that is empress of a thousand skies by rhoda belleza
1: What's great is I wrote this list of a hundred books with little or no romance, and so I was going through that trying to figure out which one I wanted to talk about, and I latched on a little bit to Your Daughter Being 13 and Enjoying the Divergent series, and the one that stuck out to me was Life As We Knew It by Susan Beth Pfeffer. It's the first in a series, and I'll say don't bother with the rest of the series. First book stands alone. Uh-huh. Um, and it's about a, what happens when an asteroid knocks the moon closer to Earth, and um, The entire atmosphere changes. There are earthquakes and tsunamis and volcanic ash that covers the sky, and it's a story about Miranda and her family. It's her mother and, I believe, two brothers. They are um, kind of camping out in their sunroom, in their house. They found it to be, like, the safest place they can hang out um, and try and figure out, like, what to do now that the world is literally on fire, and... Um, it's told in journal entries, it's the sort of story that, um, keeps you on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know if they're going to survive, you don't know how they're going to survive, and Miranda doesn't really have time for romance, um, she's trying to, like, live, um, (laughs) and, um, it's a little bit of an older book, but one that has stood pretty well across time, and that is Life As We Knew It by Susan Beth Pfeffer.
2: Okay, our next question is from Shayna, who says, I've just read The Selection and Cinder, and I'm looking for more YA dystopian Cinderella stories. Any suggestions?
0: Uh, okay, so my pick is Ash by Melinda which is not really a dystopia, but is dark. So I feel like it'll be okay. Um, so this is a Cinderella retelling with similar supernatural elements, but it's, um, yeah, I I think it's darker, although maybe not darker than the original Cinderella, but definitely darker than the Disney movie. Um, so Ash is the main character. Um, her father has died. She has the cruel, awful stepmother and the cruel, awful stepsisters. Um, her life is not great. She, um, Finds comfort in like rereading fairy tales that her mother once told her, like while she sits around the fire. Um, of course, her mother's no longer with her, and she like dreams about being saved by the fairies who are going to come and take her away, as you know fairies often do, come and steal humans, uh, human children, and whatever. And um, so she's like down with that. She would love for that to happen. Um, but then she actually meets one, a fairy named. Uh, Sid Hine. I've never really said that out loud, and I think it's kind of an Irish name, which I struggle with a little bit. Um, so she thinks that maybe he's like a prince, right? Or she is um, supposed to marry this fairy prince. It's like complicated and spoilers, but she's supposed to marry this fairy prince. Uh, but she doesn't want to because she is not. She's not into dudes, fairy or you know of any species. Um, so she has a problem with this. Like that is not a path out of her horrible situation that she's necessarily willing to take. And then she meets uh, Kaisa, who or Kaisa. A saying character names out loud is never going to be a thing that I'm good at. I'm just not good at it, and that's just it's where okay. we are. It's okay, it's okay. So she meets, uh, I'm going to go with Kesa, um, who is the huntress for the king of this realm. And if you've read Melinda Lowe's other fantasy, I, I don't know if it's considered a duology or not, or if they're related at all, but the huntress, is kind of similar characters. Um, and so she meets her and learns to hunt with her, and, like, they become really close friends, except Ash likes her more than just as a friend, and their, you know, their friendship develops into something else, and Ash Ash realizes that, like, she's got these feelings for her, and she doesn't know what to do with that because she's already, like, been claimed by the fairy prince, and, like, what is she going to do? So there is a lot of obvious parallels between this book and the Cinderella story. There's the cruel stepmother, there's the cruel stepsisters, there's the prince who is coming to save her, but she doesn't necessarily want that, really. Um, And there there are fairies um, that set up circumstances so that Ash can you know, like, quote, unquote, attend the ball and all these sorts of things. Um, but Ash herself is a really interesting character because she she's not she is not Disney princess, squirrels love her, birds sing kind of a character. She's, like, got a lot of hatred and bitterness for understandable reasons because of how she's been treated. Um, and she's just a little bit more real, I think, than the Disney version of Cinderella. So that's Ash by Melinda Lowe.
2: Yeah, it's really hard to find dystopian Cinderella mm-hmm. stories other mm-hmm. than Cinder and the Selection. Like, I those might be the only two, possibly. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but so instead, I have for you Mechanica by Betsy Cornwell, which is the first book in a series, and I am definitely going to keep reading it. I found this book delightful. Um, it is sort of like a alternate world steampunky take on it it uh it takes place in a society that has like you know clockwork and gears and steam technology but nothing more advanced than that and nicolette is a as an orphan her mother was an inventor um and her father has died um and her mother has died first her mom died then her dad died after he remarried of course so you have the stepmother and the horrible stepsisters and she is the family servant. She's the only servant in the house. They dismissed all the other ones when her father died and made her be the servant. And she, instead of having like, you know, an army of like woodland creatures to help her with her chores, she has all of these tiny like insects and a little horse that her mother invented before she died. So they're like clockwork animals that help her with her chores, which I just thought was such a neat Twist on it. Um, And when she's on her 16th birthday, she finds a letter from her mother that leads her to a secret workshop in the cellar. And her mother was training her in, you know, inventions and science and mechanical stuff. Um, So she knows how to use the things that her mother has left behind. Um, And so she starts to sort of like wake up. Like she's been shut down for a long time because she just didn't really have any other options. She can't really leave the house. Her family is cruel to her. She has no options. And now suddenly she has some. And so she decides that she's going to start trying to like sell, secretly sell tiny inventions to get her out of this house. And she goes to the market and meets a pair of other, you know, artists um one of whom is a girl and one of whom is a guy and you can see like there's you know the foreboding is clear what's you know who this guy is um but she doesn't know and and the the story unfolds from there and it does some really lovely twists on the classic story like 40 times I was like I know where this is going and then suddenly I didn't it was really lovely Um, there's also this subplot with you know a kingdom that is clearly meant to be the kingdom of fairy but they've been subjugated by humanity Um, they're treated as second class citizens they're referred to as savages magic has been outlawed so there's this whole other subplot Um, and there is it's an inclusive story there is diversity on the page in a bunch of different ways and uh, yeah, I just I found it totally delightful and really fascinating just an hugely enjoyable read. So that's Mechanica by Betsy Cornwell.
1: So I struggled with this question <laughs> in part because I think that the only two dystopian Cinderella retellings are the ones that were mentioned in the question. Um, I spent a good hour digging around and couldn't find anything. So I thought, oh, I'll talk about Ash. Okay, well, that was taken. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm going in a different different direction. And I'm going to talk about just really quickly, um, there is a short story by Francesca Leah Block called Glass, and it's in the um, bind up of a number of her books, the bind up being called Roses and Bones. And that one has a straight, like, Cinderella retelling, uh, fantasy style, it's not dystopian. And I think that if you enjoy that. You'll enjoy the whole section that is just fairy tale retellings. Um, They're all sort of in this dreamy, typical Francesca Lea Block um, writing style. So I'm keeping that short and sweet. That's where I'm going with that.
0: (laughs) Her style is so hard to like, it's like hot topic whimsy. I don't even know how to (laughs) like. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's the sort of writing that you know, when you're 12, 13,
0: 14, you're like, "This is the best!
1: It is amazing,
0: right? It is." And it, I, yeah. I mean, like, it spots. is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it holds up too. You know, um, but it's. I think when you get older, it's one of those things that it's more of a preference. Um, yes. Yeah. Than yeah. a thing that you're just like, "Oh yes, this is perfect."
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. Question four is from Rebecca, who says, "I love listening to your podcast and adding tons of books to my TBR. I read a book last summer called *Firecomb Manor* by Kate Riordan and loved it." I would call it a romance slash mystery slash ghost story. Can you recommend some similar books for my summer reading list? Well, summer's almost over, but yes, we're going to try. Um, I love YA, so I'm open to that as well. Okay, I take any and all opportunities to recommend this book. Sorry, not sorry. And my recommendation is The Body at the Tower by Y.S. Lee. Oh, wait, no. Um, is that the first one? I. It's a series. Um, the agency series. A Spy in the House. Sorry. A Spy in the House is the first book in the series. Um, let me change this. I wrote the wrong thing. A Spy in the House. So this is a Victorian YA series that um, focuses on a character named Mary Quinn, who in the 1850s in London is a young orphan and like petty thief, you know, petty criminal. She's a pickpocket. She breaks into people's houses, whatever. She's been caught doing that and has been sentenced to hang because that's a thing that we did was hang orphan children for pickpocketing. Uh, Anyway, so she gets rescued um, by Miss Scrimshaw's Academy for Girls, which is a school that takes... Um, young orphans and young girls who have nowhere else to go and who are, like, in trouble and trains them, like, gives them an education, teaches them manners, and, you know, ostensibly sets them up in, like, a good job, you know. Um, But in reality, it's a cover for an all-female investigative unit called The Agency. Uh, So it's undercover agents who are hired out to solve all manners of crimes. Um, And there are four books in the series. Um, Mary, who is obviously... Good at sneaking around and collecting information in her career as a thief is, um, goes to this academy and graduates. And then when the book, it opens with her, you know, being sentenced to be hanged. But as the book progresses in the first one, um, she assumes the guise of a lady's companion in order to infiltrate like a, the home of this rich. rich merchant in order to trace some cargo ships. But uh, while she's trying to solve this mystery, it takes her down some interesting roads that have to do with her personal history, because she's you know she's an orphan. She doesn't know much about her family. Um, she is biracial. Her father, mother, father, I think it was her father, um, was Chinese, I'm pretty sure. So she's ethnically ambiguous, which makes her interactions with the other characters in 1850s London really interesting. Um, so there is this mystery. There's also a, a little romance that is weaved, woven, Lord, throughout the whole series <laughs> of which there are four books, um, and so there is a, and it's a very like, I don't like the the the, the clean label for romance, but if you are um, reading YA or recommending this to a kid, uh, you know the romance is what quote unquote clean enough that it's fine for pretty much any um, level of reader, um, and you know it's it's 1850s London, so it's got that like foggy, eerie. Dickensian ghosty sort of thing happening. Nothing really supernatural happens in this book, but she does crawl through like a lot of alleys and sewers and walks around in the dark a lot. So it does have that kind of gothic a little bit um, feel to it. So the first book is The Spy in the House. It's by Y.S. Lee, and that is the Agency series.
2: I took this opportunity to <laughs> talk about The Walls Between Us, excuse me, The Walls Around Us by Nova Ren Suma, which is one of the weirdest, creepiest books I've read in the last couple years. And it's like not often a fit for recommendations like nobody's very often yeah anyway you said romance slash mystery slash ghost story and i was like aha (laughs) um so the walls around us has sort of two mysteries going on and a bunch of ghosts um so there is a dancer named violet who is 18 and she's sort of like Achieving the pinnacle of her dance career to date, and you see her, you know, triumphing, except that there is a really big secret about how she has gotten to where she has gotten. Um, And so that unfolds sort of very slowly. And then there's a parallel narrative that takes place inside the walls of a juvenile detention center. And we are getting narration from a girl named Amber who's just been there for forever. Like she does not really remember outside life. She's been in juvie for forever. And she's in charge of the library cart, um, which is also one of my favorite parts about this book is like the way that the library cart sort of ties the characters together and their book picks tell you about them in a way that is just so clever. Um, and also it's like, I wanted to read basically every book that is mentioned in this book too. Um, I love when books do that. So so you have this juvenile detention center story and then you have this dancer story and you're like trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to converge. And the thing that ties them together is a girl named Oriana who used to dance with Bi- Violet. So like what happened? How does Oriana end up in juvie? Um, what is Violet's secret? And like what? how does Amber tie it all together? It's just so atmospheric and surreal. And you do kind of have to like hang in there a little bit. If you're not a patient reader, I think it can be a little frustrating because it's not immediately clear where the story is going. But the payoff I found very worth it. Um, and it's just like a really intense, dark wonderful book. So that's The Walls Around Us by Nova Rensuma.
1: So when I saw this question, I got so excited because I love ghosts and mysteries, and eh, I'll put up with the romance um, for the two of them. And the book that I am going to recommend is called Absent by Katie Williams, which I like to call Before I Fall Meets Imaginary Girls, which is another book by Nova Rensuma. Um, It's a story about a girl named Paige who dies in a freak fall from the roof of her high school when she does this, her spirit sort of gets sucked into the school, and she is forced to live her afterlife at her high school. She meets a couple of fellow ghosts, and through them, she sort of learns that her death may not have been accidental. Um, Another thing Paige learns is that she can inhabit other people's bodies at the school, so the people who are alive, she can sort of dive into their bodies and see what's going on. So she does that for a little fun. She finds out, you know, what her crush was thinking about, or does he miss her? She uses, as an, uses it as an opportunity to also cause some havoc with people that she didn't necessarily like while she was there at the school. <laughs> and um, so, so it's a short book, and at the end we find out how exactly Paige died, and why it is she was bound to that school, and why it is she met those fellow ghosts who are also bound to the school. It's atmospheric, it's weird, but also, like, I sat down and read it front to back in no time, because it was so, so different, and so fun, and man, I love a good ghost story, and I love ghosts who, like, do weird things, um, like, you know, Haunt their former classmates' bodies and get up to some shenanigans. So that, <laughs> that's absent by Katie Williams. Okay, I cannot, we, oops,
0: sorry, go sorry. Ahead.
1: I was just gonna
2: say, I cannot imagine spending the afterlife attached to my high school. That's <laughs> like, that my actual nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You're just right. <laughs> no so before we do our next question we're going to do our second sponsor which is Book of the Month Uh, Book of the Month is a rapidly growing service with a simple goal to make sure you love what you read. Uh, Book of the Month searches high and low every month for new books that you probably wouldn't have necessarily found on your own. They do a special, they specifically focus on books by debut authors Um, so they have a stable of judges and also um, celebrity judges that they bring on. Our own Liberty Hardy uh, works with them very frequently as a Judge to pick the five best books, excuse me, five best books of the month, new releases that are coming out. Um, And then they send you all of their picks, their five picks, and you select the one that you want. And it is delivered to your doorstep. Pricing starts at just $10 for a new hardcover release, which I'm sure all of you bookish folk out there know that new hardcovers are generally much more than $10. So it's a great value. If you don't have interest in any of the books that they've selected for the month, you can skip it and uh, roll your stuff over to the next month. So whether you get a book every month um, as your subscription allows or just one a season, it doesn't matter. The prices will save you tons of money. So I was looking at their, their picks for August, and they are all... Um, Really interesting, Little and Lion by Brandy Colbert is one of their selections, which we have talked about on the show before. Um, There's Fierce Kingdom by Jen Phillips, which is a weird-sounding thriller about an amusement park, I think. Uh, The Hearts Invisible Furies by John Boyne, which I've heard so much about. And The Blinds by Adam Sternberg, we've talked about on the show also. Eat only when you're hungry. Um, it's a debut. I think that's a short story. stories, actually, Lindsay Hunter. I've heard about that one as well. Um, so every month I follow them on Instagram, which is a lot of fun. Uh, they do their, like, de- their, uh, reveals on Instagram sometimes. Um, and so that's a great account. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's just a fun process. Like if you're one of those bookish people who, who likes the, um, peripheral stuff that come along with being bookish, like selecting your favorite pick for a book of the month is something that you, I think would uh, enjoy a lot. So you can get your first book for 10 bucks. Go to bookofthemonth.com slash booked to sign up and get your uh, your first selection for only $10. So thank you for sponsoring the show. All right.
2: All right. Our next question. Yes. Our next question is from Kira, who says, I used to read YA books all the time when I was little, but once I started high school, I decided in all my teenage snobbishness that YA was beneath me and I'd only be reading the classics and the perks of the, being a wallflower, obviously. (laughs) Now I'm in my 20s working on my doctorate in classics and no longer want to or feel the need to be so snobby. I've recently discovered Bookstagram and I'm constantly seeing all these beautiful covers of YA novels. The only thing is what to read. I tried reading The Raven Cycle, but I found the characters to be so shallowly written and the whole extreme slash unrealistic wealth and privilege just seemed so far-fetched. I thought I might have better luck with fantasy YA, but there's so much and I have no idea how to sort the good from the bad."
0: Okay, um, my pick is not a fantasy. I think since you aren't really into like the the wealth and the privilege and stuff, that's really hard to get away from in YA fantasy. So I went with a, a contemporary pick that is the most recent cover that I've been obsessed with since that's the thing that like is getting you back into reading. So my pick is *Saints and Misfits* by S. K. Ali which has a beautiful cover. I love the colors. It's like pink and orange. Um, and it has a really lovely stylish hijabi on the cover with a, a, a camera. Anyway, you can look at it. I don't need to tell you what the cover looks like. Um, so the main character's name is Jana. And she lives in oh, the Midwest. It's somewhere outside of Chicago. I don't remember exactly where, but they they... They drive into Chicago for a couple of events, so it's somewhere out there. Um, And she is an Arab-Indian-American hijabi. Uh, She's a teenager. She's obsessed with Flannery O'Connor, and she wants to be a photographer, um, and she's a graphic novelist. She's just a really great onion of a character. She's got a lot going on. Um, And she has a crush on a boy named Jeremy because he has a nice forehead. There's like this whole (laughs) subplot about how teenage girls like fixate on sometimes the oddest things to have crushes on. But so she, she's really into this guy named Jeremy who is not Muslim and she's struggling with this a lot. Like she doesn't know, uh, is she not supposed to date boys who aren't Muslim? If she can, should she? Like, there's just a lot of stuff that she hasn't necessarily figured out about how strictly she wants to adhere to some of the tenets of her faith. Um, Also, her parents are divorced and her father is very secular and, has problems with like the fact that she wears a hijab and wants her to kind of branch out and not be so you know like strictly the quote-unquote muslim so she's dealing with that also um but the main plot of this book aside from like teenage girl is teenagery, uh is that she was sexually assaulted by a boy in her uh from her mosque who is Highly respected and essential and is like revered by her, uh, by the other people in her community because he has memorized the Quran and is outwardly very pious, but of course is inwardly a horrible monster. And she describes him as the monster throughout the whole book. Um, and so he, she's struggling with how to deal with that, if she should tell anybody about what happened. Um, He is always around because he goes to her mosque, but also because he is her best friend's cousin. Um, And she is really dealing with that, like, it's a faith twist on the whole, no one is going to believe a girl who says something about that, about a respected member of the community. Um, And that's what her fear is, is that no one will believe her. Uh, and is it going to reflect on her and all of this? Uh, there are really great side characters in this book. She becomes friends with a girl whose name I don't remember, who uh, wears a niqab, which is the, the face covering. Um, and the way that they go about solving the problem of what does Jana do about this horrible boy uh, involves uh, the niqab, which I thought was just like a wonderful way to go about it. Um, and it's just like, I feel weird saying it's a fun book about a girl who's like sexually assaulted, but it's. It's fun, like it's not just about that. It's also about her living her life and like going to a quiz bowl and being a teenager and eating gummy bears and like sneaking onto the roof of her school to draw pictures with her best friend. Like it's just, it's just great. It's like heartwarming and lovely, and I just loved it. So that's Saints and Misfits by S. K. Ali.
2: Yeah, I also have a contemporary YA for you um, because unrealistic is sort of the name of the game with fantasy, which is like the point. It's the point, right? Um, But anyway, I thought immediately of Ramona Blue by Julie Murphy because it is about... A family that is really struggling financially. Um, Ramona uh, was five when Hurricane Katrina hit and um, sort of destroyed their family's house, and they they lost everything. Um, they live in a town called Eulogy, Mississippi, in a trailer, uh, and they are you know she's got a bunch of jobs. She's trying to help support her family. Her father is like doing it. You know, he's doing the best he can, but it's hard. Um, her parents are separated. Her mom is just sort of not around and is not helping at all. And her older brother is pregnant, so she feels a lot of responsibility towards her family. Um, it's her senior year, I believe, and she, or she's coming to the end of her high school career, and she doesn't feel like she has any options. Like, she she doesn't feel like she can go to college, she feels like she needs to stay put, but she also doesn't feel great about that either. She feels very stuck. Um, and so she's dealing with all of these personal things. And then on top of it, she has identified as a lesbian for a long time. Um, she knows she likes girls. And and then a, a friend who's a boy comes back into her life, and she is now attracted to him. So she's really trying to figure out, like, okay, so now what is her sexuality? She's fighting stigma about girls who, like, girls who then start to date boys, and, like, what does that mean about her? How are people going to perceive it? What are they going to say about her? Um, and on top of it, you know, her, sister, her, her sister's boyfriend is a jerk, and she doesn't want him in the house, and they're all crammed into the trailer together. And it's just so real about all of these details of like, how do you be a person in these kinds of situations. Like, how do you figure out who you are? How do you figure out what's next for you when there's so many outside forces that are kind of telling you who you are and how you should live your life? So I just, I thought it was really moving and beautiful. There's like little sections of the book that, you know, I like, I don't usually pull quotes from YA novels, but I pulled a couple quotes from this one. And the cover is good. I like the cover, although it's not like fancy, but it's very beautifully designed. So that's Ramona Blue by Julie Murphy. And to round out the theme, I also picked a
1: contemporary. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I latched on to the, the issue of privilege, though, and my pick is Piecing Me Together by Renee Watson. It came out earlier this year and easily is one of the best books I read this year. Um, it follows Jade, who she lives in a very poor black neighborhood in Portland, and she knows that in order to have a successful future, she needs to get out of that neighborhood and really... Um, take advantage of every opportunity she can so that she can grow up and be successful so she accepts a scholarship to a mostly white private school which requires her to take the city bus and on her first day of taking the city bus she meets a girl white girl who becomes one of her good friends um and she appreciates having this ally though there's clearly some tension um going on because jade is poor and her friend i can't remember the friend's name um doesn't have that same situation. She has some family issues, but she doesn't have near the sort of experiences that Jade has. So at school, Jade becomes part of this mentorship program that's for at-risk girls. And this mentorship program, the woman that she's paired with is such a flake, just like doesn't show up and doesn't communicate. And um, so Jade's not getting a whole lot out of this experience. But what she does discover is that she's been put in this program not so that she could expand her horizons, but because the school sort of feels bad for her as one of the scholarship students as a black student in this nearly all-white school. So the programs that Jade gets to take part in are like go to the art museum in Portland, whereas her friend gets the opportunity to travel to Mexico for a spring break event that is a volunteer-based sort of thing. And so the whole story is about Jade sort of coming to understand her place her and, and the role that her race and her lack of access to money plays in just her everyday experiences. That she can be in the same school as all these other people but still be given fewer opportunities. Um, the cover is gorgeous and it's got this sort of patchwork quality to it that ties in perfectly to Jade's like obsession with art and um, there's a big piece at the end about art and the power of art and how that sort of helps her cope with all these like really terrible things she's learned about um, just being a black girl in a world that doesn't, you know, care for her in the way that she wishes that they would. And that is Piecing Me Together by Renee Watson.
0: Okay, our last question is from Kathy, who says, my son and I just read a great YA book called Away Running by David Wright and Luke Bouchard. It resonated with my son, who's sports-obsessed, because it's about football, but it is deeper than most kids' sports books, because it takes place in Paris amid racial tensions and immigration issues. It's deep. I'd love more books like this to engage my son, some sports, but more than just sports. Bonus if there are diverse characters, because my son is biracial, and seeing himself reflected in the characters allows for us to have even better conversations after reading. Okay, so I picked a book that I'm in the middle of, which is Miles Morales by Jason Reynolds. Um, and this is, as you can probably guess from the title, a book about Spider-Man, about uh, Miles Morales as Spider-Man, um, which I don't know anything about. Not, not anything, nothing. <laughs> uh, I'm, I don't know. I mean, like, I, lo- I love comics, but Spider-Man is just a thing I've never gotten into. So I'm completely unfamiliar with the Spider-Man universe. Um, but Jason Reynolds, will, that name will get me to read pretty much anything. So if you are like me and you don't know what's happening here, uh, miles morales is a teenager who lives in new york um, he is pretty normal except also he's spider-man uh, but he is biracial he's black and puerto rican i'm pretty sure so i'm like halfway through this and i'm just i'm loving it so much and i just since i don't know anything about spider-man i feel like you don't really need to have a background in in that universe um, to enjoy the book and, and to read it so um the setup is that his spidey sense is like not functioning properly it's leading to a lot you know if you don't know the spidey sense is like spider-man's ability to tell when like something bad is happening or when someone needs his help um and so it's fritzing which means that like he's um leaving school or leaving class when he shouldn't be because he thinks he has to save somebody but like there's no one to save so he gets suspended and after that he's starting to really question his abilities as Spider Man. And while there's not like directly or, like organized sports in the book, Spider Man is an inherently very athletic character. You know, there's lots of s- spidery stuff happening. Um, and so, <laughs> like, I feel like he'll be interested enough in what's going on here. Uh, he's not necessarily playing football, but he is, you know, leaping over buildings. So it's a form of track. I don't know what do you want from me. Um, so he gets suspended uh, and he starts to really question, like, am I good enough to be a superhero because obviously my powers aren't working the way that they should um and you know he comes from kind of a rough and tumble neighborhood his dad and his uncle both have criminal records from when they were kids um you know and he is spending a lot of time he he doesn't live in like abject poverty but his family's not well off and he has a scholarship to a really nice school um, and while he's trying to do that thing, he's trying to like keep his scholarship and stay on track at school while money is tight at home and he watches some members of his community make some poor choices. Um, he's having really odd nightmares. He's got... And his, his spidey sense, is ha- he notices, starts to really go off in history class where his teacher um, at this very privileged elite scholarship prep school is talking about the quote-unquote benefits of slavery and how it's led to affirmative action, which black people have benefited from out- in outsized ways and how the modern-day prison system functions to keep the community safe and all of these odd things. And for some reason, those are the moments where Miles' spidey sense is going off. And it's not necessarily that he's got a physical person. To to save, but he's realizing that his spidey sense is a lot bigger than um, just, you know, someone's being mugged and I need to go help them. So it, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, it's Jason Reynolds, right? And so this is obviously a book that examines a, a, a poor biracial teen's life um, and the intersections of poverty and race and how those things still affect everyday people trying to just live their lives um and the effect that that thing has on that those things have on somebody who wants to be a hero. So that's Miles Morales by Jason Reynolds. I picked Mexican White
2: Boy by Matt de la Peña because well, many reasons. It has two biracial main characters, um Danny who is half white and half Mexican. And then, um, oh gosh, it's a guy who becomes his best friend, and I didn't write down his name, but he is half black and half Mexican. And they, oh, Uno, they get into a fight like immediately. So Danny is going down to spend the summer with his cousin, um, and they are like in you know, uh, sort of outside of San Diego in California, and the area is very heavily Mexican, and he feels out of place there because he is half white. He's lighter than most of the other people around. He goes to a different school, and he looks like a skater instead of, you know, like, he just doesn't feel like he fits in anywhere. Um, And he's also not talking much right now. Um, But he's very good at baseball, except that he's having trouble making the team. So he gets uh, into, like, a street game of, you know, home run derby and gets in a fight with this guy Uno, and then through the magic of teenage boys – They become friends, um, and you start to see, first of all, why they got in the fight, and then how their relationship is evolving, and the struggles that both of them are facing. Um, I will say there's a lot of language in this book. I don't know if... You didn't say how old your son was. I don't know if that's a concern, Um, but it's a really amazing book about the narratives that we tell ourselves because we believe other people believe things about us um, and how do you deal with those narratives? Like, what do you take on for yourself? How can you let it go? Um, How can you help other people to see what they're missing about themselves? It's just really... It's a great, I mean, Matt De La Pena is great. Like, he's a great author. Um, and there's some really good sports stuff in here, too. Like, Danny and Uno decide to start hustling for money and, like, daring people to these, you know, home run or, like, baseball, you know, strikeouts um, because Danny is really, really actually very talented. And there's some great scenes of that. There's also some fights. There's some really difficult family stuff, um, trigger warning for self harm on the page. There, It's just a really complicated and, and really really well done book. I loved it. So that's Mexican White Boy by Matt Dalapena.
1: And to round this out, since I'm the guest, I'm going to cheat and give two recommendations. <laughs> <Cheater>. I know. <laughs> so the first one is called See No Color by Shannon Gibney. And it's a slice-of-life read uh, about a girl named Alex who is an awesome baseball player, and she is a biracial girl who's been adopted by a white family. So the story is about being in this um, transracial adoption situation and sort of how she goes about coming to find her place in her family and coming to find her place in her community. She lives in Madison, Wisconsin, in a community that's not particularly diverse. Um, There's a really fabulous scene in there about... The first time one of her parents takes her to a salon for black hair and just sort of the realizations that both the parent and Alex have are really powerful. Um, And baseball plays a huge role in the story. Um, so that's See No Color by Shannon Gibney, and I wanted to give that, that's a girl main character, and I don't believe gender blah, 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 but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I also wanted to offer one with male main characters, because you said your son enjoyed one, um, and that would be Leverage by Joshua Cohen, and heads up, the trigger warning on this one is that there is sexual assault in it, um, and it's graphic, um, it's a story of bullying, but it's also a story of friendship, and it follows a white gymnast, in his high school, and a black football player who, um, they form sort of an unlikely friendship based around a terrible bullying incident that they were both witness to. And so, um, it's a story about both gymnastics and about football, about sports, and about the idea of good sportsmanship, about bullying, about not being tricked into peer pressure um, it's really brutal and dark but it's also one of those stories that is so hard hitting it's hard not to just keep flipping the pages as horrible as what you're reading is um, because you love both of the main characters so that is leverage by joshua
0: cohen and that's our show joshin huzzah <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Yes, indeed. So uh, if you like the show or if you don't, whatevs, up to you. Please go rate us. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It just makes the show easier to find when people search for it. Um, You can find us online. I'm mostly on Instagram these days, though I have been back on Twitter ranting about Nazis. I'm at I'm Amanda Nelson. Ladies, tell them where the people can find you. Yeah,
2: I am generally on Tumblr these days. It's jenirl.tumblr.com, and that's Jen with two Ns.
1: And I can be found pretty much anywhere, Twitter, um, Instagram at Veronica
0: Kelly mars okay and thank you so much to our sponsors for sponsoring the show don't forget to go check out hey YA when it comes back i'm sure we will blast your feeds with the news when episode zero <laughs> is out september 20th will be episode one and thank you to our sponsors i already said that and we will talk to y'all next week